just start basically back at the beginning. Like, let's take it way back to the very basics of, of cat exploring, um, you know, just kind of being on the porch. Let's go for a cat exploring experience where you just stay in the backpack or the stroller and we don't actually get out so that you feel safe the whole time. So we kind of just started at the very beginning and with those like little beginning building blocks. Join us as we chat to amazing cat explorers and experts, learn from them, listen to their war stories, celebrate their wins, and laugh at the funny moments that have been a part of their journey. Welcome to Season 8 of the Cat Explorer Podcast. I'm Asara. And I'm Daniel. Wow, Season 8. Every season we pinch ourselves that we can continue to share other Cat Explorers' stories with you. And with 2020 being the way it's been, it's so lovely that the Cat Explorer podcast has been able to continue. It hasn't been an easy year for our team, so we're super grateful for our Cat Explorer per squad and Cat Explorer producers who have helped us continue this podcast and our community. A special thank you to the producers for Season 8 of the Cat Explorer podcast, particularly our co-producers, Millie and Kelvin, Barbara and Maverick, Ziggy and Charlie, Mac, Luna Misty Blue, Adami, and Roxy the Kitty. Thank you so much. If you would like to support Cat Explorer, you can join the Cat Explorer Press Squad or the Cat Explorer Producers. There's a link for that in your short notes, which you can get to by clicking the episode description on your podcasting app. We first came across our guests today, Emily and Maggie, when they were pet guardians to Beverly. When Beverly sadly passed away, we thought it was really lovely to see how Emily and Maggie commemorated her life. More recently, we've had the pleasure of getting to know Emily and Maggie more as they've added Ziggy and Charlie into their lives. On a personal level, we're grateful that they've jumped on board as members of both the Cat Explorer Per Squad and Cat Explorer Producers. We're so excited to chat more about Beverly, Ziggy and Charlie today. Welcome to the podcast, Emily and Maggie. Thanks for having us. So we'd love to hear about Ziggy and Charlie. How did they come into your life? So we adopted Ziggy and Charlie from the Hermitage No-Kill Cat Shelter here in Tucson, Arizona. We knew we wanted to adopt two kittens, and we were perusing their adoption site, and we saw Ziggy, and we instantly fell in love with her um, online. She is a very rare orange tabby female and that um was very interesting to us i've always loved orange tabbies i had one when i was a kid um but we were excited to meet her so we we went down and met her and we loved her right off the bat and um we had originally gone there to see her and uh, her litter mate but then charlie kind of came along in the kitten room and just swept us off our feet so. Yeah, Charlie came running across the floor at the shelter, and he was just—he was the tiniest kitten in the room. He was this just gray little fuzzball, and just adorable. The most blue eyes, and just yeah, he was a super super cute little dude. And uh, we talked to one of the volunteers that was there, and she had actually mentioned um, in passing that Charlie had actually just hung out on her shoulder for like the last 40 minutes. And I perked up because I've always thought it would be so cool to have a shoulder cat. Watching One Bike, One World and seeing Nala and just thinking how cool that would be to have a cat that would be interested in hanging out on your shoulder in an adventure setting. And um, he just he stole us. 
yeah. <laughs> so we adopted both of them and they've been so much fun. That's so awesome. I didn't actually realize they weren't litter mates. Oh, yeah. Oh, a lot, yeah. Actually, a lot of people don't know that. They're not litter mates. In fact, um, Ziggy is about 10 weeks older than Charlie. And they just happen to look very <laughs> similar <laughs> to each other. Um, but yeah, they're, they're not litter mates, but they were, they were bonded at the shelter and they've been super bonded the whole time we've had them. I love how Charlie just, you know, walked in and, and said, you know, make me part of it too. And yeah. <laughs> con- convinced you guys straight away because I think Lumos did the same thing to us. Like we were looking around, for, you know, Lumos and Noxie's entire litter, there were a lot of cats and we're like, which one do we pick? And then Lumos picked himself and he's like, you're going to pick me, you're going to pick me, you're going to pick me. And he just sort of attached himself to us. Definitely. (laughs) So before Ziggy and Charlie, what some people may not know is that you had another cat explorer, Beverly. Do you mind telling us a little bit about Beverly? Yeah, so Beverly was a stray. We found her outside our house um, about two years ago. We have a lot of strays in our neighborhood. So we had, we had, you know, interesting or friendly strays come and go over the years in our neighborhood. Um, So at first we didn't really pay much attention to her. She was another stray outside, Um, but she was very friendly and she let us approach her. And so over the course of a couple of days, we got close and we were able to pet her. We realized right off the bat that she had um, something wrong with her eyes and um, we we felt kind of sorry for her. She was very thin. So we, I think we brought her like a can of canned chicken or something. And I mean, that from that point on, I mean, as soon as you start feeding, Mm -hmm. feeding cats outside, it's like, they're just attached to you. So she, um, we ended up feeding her. We left the can outside and then we came back a little while later and another stray cat was eating her food. And we were like, Oh no, no. So we, we took the food, we brought it up on our porch, which we, never did we were very you know we would feed the strays like somewhere else but not like right up next to our house um and she she like literally never left after that (laughs) she stayed she started basically living on our porch um she would hang out right by the front door um we you know it was very hot it was the summer in Arizona and the air conditioning was kind of like leaking out the door and she would lay right by the air conditioning she was very smart and, and um after about a week, we, you know, we thought about it and it had been a long time since we had a pet, like about seven years since we had had um, our previous cat. And we were like, wow, I think, I think we have to take her in. She just, you know, she would follow us down to our car when we would leave <laughs> and then we would drive away and we would be looking in the rear view and she would like walk back up to the porch after we had left. It was, it was like heartbreaking. I was like, we have to keep this cat. <laughs> So, um, so yeah, we, we brought her in and, um, got her all fixed up at the vet. Um, and we learned that her eye issue was from feline herpivirus. She had had ulcers on her eyes and she had scars. So she had limited vision. The vet, the vet told us that she had, she had limited vision and that was very apparent to us right, right off in the house. Unlike most cats, she never jumped on anything. We never had to worry about her getting up on anything. She was very um, hesitant to jump up on anything that she couldn't see like the top of. So she was just kind of different as a, as a cat. And we, um, we realized that later as a cat explorer, she was quite different than 
than what we've observed other cat explorers and Ziggy and Charlie to be because of her limitations. Um, but yeah, she was, she was just amazing. And we had never, um, we'd never heard of cat exploring before. And um, we, we learned about it through Instagram, of course. And uh, we had some friends who were like, you should start an Instagram for your cat because you take so many cool pictures of her. And um, at first I was like, what hell, how, how are we going to populate a whole Instagram account with enough content to keep people entertained? And I mean, now I'm the person that has like 30,000 cat pictures on their phone. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so we started her Instagram. We learned about cat exploring and we were like, I wonder if she would do this. So we, um, we put her in a harness and I, it, and it was very quick and very natural for her. Um, but I think it was because of her experience outdoors already. Um, that made her, uh, easy with cat exploring but then at the same time also kind of a hesitant cat explorer like so we noticed right off that although she was very brave outside and felt very natural outside she was also very hesitant um I think that she we observed her to be um kind of scared of open spaces um spaces where it felt like maybe a predator could be present or something like that. She, she was, she liked to be close to walls or under trees. She really liked to be kind of undercover. Um, and that's something that we haven't noticed quite as much with Ziggy and Charlie. Cause they're kind of like, we'll just walk outside and everything's probably fine. Cause they didn't have to live out there. Um, you know, as a stray, like Beverly did. So that was something interesting that we, we just kind of observed uh, the differences between them. Did you find that um, you had um, more resistance with Beverly with things like the harness and using the backpack or the stroller or things like that? Like, did she seem to understand the concept of staying with you while cat exploring or um, was she just open to it? She definitely seemed like she wanted to stay with us. She very much was very attached to us. Mm -hmm. Um, when we were out and that is actually something that with, with Ziggy in particular, she feels, she feels like she could probably just like leave and join the circus and never like see us again when we're out. But Beverly, I think she definitely recognized that, um, you know, she used, she had, had it kind of rough. And then she, when she came in and lived with us that she had everything she needed and I don't think she had any desire to, to leave. Yeah. Um, in fact, we would often just let her kind of like roam around on the porch. Like when we, when we were outside with her, never, you know, never just like outside on her own, but, um, she would stay on our porch and not, not try to walk away, mm -hmm. which, you know, we've had cats before that were like door dashers, you know, and would, you know, try to run out the door, which, which Charlie is kind of like now. Yeah. Um, and when we would cat explore with Beverly or also when Beverly was in the car with us, those were the only times that she would actually sit on our lap. Any other time you couldn't hold Beverly for more than maybe 10 seconds. Mm -hmm. And then the claws came out. So when she was out with us, she definitely felt like we were her safety zone. That's so interesting. You say that because, um, I don't think I've ever really shared it before is that my family cat Tabby was astray as well. She actually followed us home while we were on a walk. Mm -hmm. And every time we traveled, she would like, she loved getting out there with us, but she would stick pretty close to us as well. And in a way that I think we and Noxie do, but not to the extent that Tabby would. And I think she was always scared that like we, well, we projected 
that we thought that she was always scared that we would just leave her there or mm. um like there was that need to stay close to us so that's quite interesting I wonder if that's just something I've no I noticed yeah I feel like it's like they they have you and they know that you're protecting them from maybe a, a life that they had in the past that was scary and full of danger for them and they don't they don't want that to go away whereas I feel like cats like Ziggy and Charlie who we got as kittens and they've known nothing different than the safety of our house I think they're more willing to be like oh what's out there you know and and not realize that there's that there's potential danger out there so losing a pet it's not easy it's pretty soul crushing and one thing that I really loved was how you commemorated Beverly's passing. If you're comfortable with sharing, do you mind sharing what you did? Yeah. So, um, so yeah, Beverly, we only had her for about a year. And the vet, um, you know, when she started to get sick, it was very fast. And um, she... You know, from where when she started to so show kind of like signs of being sick and when she passed was only about five days. It was very, very fast. And our vet, um, our vet suspects, although we're not ever going to 100 percent know that she had FIP. Um, those were the symptoms that that the vet saw. So, um, so yeah, it was very, it was, it was heartbreaking. We, we had expected to have a long, you know, a long life with Beverly. So it was, it was really, really sad. And we, when, when she passed, we felt like we really wanted to sort of like pay it forward in a way, um, for other people who, who would want to have cats and adopt cats in need so we decided to do a um, fundraiser for her to benefit the hermitage no-kill cat shelter and um, so we did kind of a crowdfunding campaign um, and we put it on we put it on her Instagram and we were blown away by people making donations um, in her memory to the hermitage from from like literally all over the world. It was it was so amazing. Um we got some very generous contributions from people that we barely knew, that we only knew, like I couldn't even tell you their humans' names, you know, I only <laughs> know their cats' names. Um, but but people were just amazing. And um I think that Beverly had kind of inspired people in a way, just because her story, she, you know, she was just had special needs and she kind of she was a real glow up, you know, <laughs> as yeah. they say. Um, so yeah, we raised about $2,000 for the Hermitage and we were able to dedicate the senior room catio in her name um, and in her honor. And that was, that was really special to us because that's how we, that's how we had imagined our life with her being, you know, having, having her until she was, um, elderly and spending all those years with her. And so we didn't get that. And we wanted, um, we wanted those cats in those circumstances to have the care that they needed. So that was, that's why we did that. And, um, we also, we did have a memorial service for her <laughs> here in Tucson, um, at her favorite place on camp on the university of Arizona campus, where we would always go cat exploring with her. And, um, I think there were 
like what? there were well there were five cats five other actual cats that came to the memorial which <laughs> we were so excited that like cat explorers were there but um I think maybe like 30 people in person came and then we broadcasted it on our Instagram and we had again like people all over the world watching and and paying their respects to her so that was really that was an amazing um process for me and my own grieving it felt important to do something and I think everybody experiences grief differently um but but for me I was like I need to take some kind of action that makes me feel like we're honoring her appropriately and then also doing something good with this loss so Mm -hmm. that's that's what we did and it was yeah the that outpouring of support though that we received from people that didn't even know us was just really awe-inspiring. That's beautiful and heartbreaking at the same time. It's just a, it's an incredible story. Now, I want to touch on a couple of points you mentioned. One, which is we live in this world where social media is such a large part of our lives and our pets' lives. And it seems like, it's, like you mentioned, that there's so many people around the world now who are touched or who are connected with our pets and yet you don't really know their names in person you know their cats names and it's just beautiful to see that they've reached out and helped support you in this you know difficult time and i think it's incredible that you've done something to commemorate uh, beverly's life and you know it's a beautiful gesture and the fact that you involved the other people around the world through this um sharing of the memorial was Great to see. Can you just talk us through that thought process of why you decided to go down that road to share it in that way? Well, I feel like we couldn't not share it. You know, she lived kind of a, she lived a very public life (laughs) on, on Instagram and, and through our friends and um, just, you know, we, we can't explore in a very um, urban environment. So there were, there were like people that knew her too, you know, in the businesses um, on around the campus and, and everything too. So it felt almost like we almost felt like when a celebrity passes, like you have to do something, you have to acknowledge it publicly. And that was a very weird and interesting feeling because, um, you know, normally when you have a pet pass, you, you, your close friends and your family and maybe your coworkers are aware of that. And then, you know, it happens and, your personal grief will last for, for a while, but um, the grieving of others and the acknowledgement of that isn't, doesn't, is not very long. Um, but with Beverly, it was so, it was weird. It was, I, I will say it was definitely weird because um, all these people were sharing in our grief and supporting us. Um, but all, also at the same time, it, it, I think it caused it to also last a long time too, because people, you know, and people meant well, but, but, you know, people were mailing us things and, and, uh, making art of her and sending it to us and all of the, the lovely posts that they were posting on our page and things like that. But it, it kind of, it, it lasted a long time. It was like, uh, it was, it was like a celebrity passing, you know, like it, she was like the cat. Michael Jackson passing or something I don't know it was like it took a long time you know for that that public grieving period I guess um did I answer your question all the way I feel like I started rambling I think what you say is quite interesting there because um I don't know how to put this so like the closest I suppose similarity for me is when my dad passed away and he was quite um 
it was a very sudden passing as well and it was he was quite involved in not only the Sri Lankan community Sri Lankan Australian community in Australia but also in the engineering and water community and for because usually when someone passes away or at pet passes away you have your own grieving but what I found really overwhelming was the grieving that everyone else had to do as well and you kind of feel a sense of responsibility to support that grieving that everyone else is doing as well. And like you said, like I felt like it went on went on for years, didn't it? <laughs> like <laughs> and like it was really lovely. Like people were doing ways to commemorate him and some of those ways were quite big. So those things take time to set up. Mm-hmm. But then it might take two years for that to set up or something like that. And I think I feel like that might have been a similar situation to what you you were in because People are gr- like they'll grieve, but they probably gr- grieved. Grieve. Sorry, I don't know what the past tense. Gr- <laughs> anyway, grief. <laughs> yeah. Um, Beverly, and then they had the time to process it, and then they were like, "Oh, we want to do something about mm-hmm. it." And then by the time that gets to you in Arizona, it's there's probably been shipping, and they've had to create it and things like that. So I, I completely understand what you mean, but it's also really lovely that they did that too. Yeah, it was amazing. I mean, we felt so supported and it, yeah, it helped us feel so connected, even more connected to the cat Instagram community that we already felt connected to through her page. Just like we, we really have built some strong friendships with, with people who, um, who connected to us and then, and then kind of deeply connected to us through that grieving process. And I think what you've described is that, with, through Beverly, you've formed some strong connections and bonds and friendships with people all around the world. And so you've helped support these people when they've found out about the passing to give them closure by involving them as part of that process to grieve and to just help um, lay Beverly to rest. So I think that's a beautiful and wonderful thing. Now, looking back at what you did with Beverly, was there anything that you'd do differently in how you look after Ziggy and Charlie? Yeah, I think that what Beverly really taught us, and this was really rooted in her um, in her uh, limited vision that she had, was to really look specifically at her strengths and her needs and her and her weaknesses, really, and and try to establish a life um, not only in our household, but also during cat exploring that was really specific to those special needs that she had. And I think that, and, and I know you, we talk about this on the cat explorer podcast all the time about um, really paying attention to what your cat really needs and, and not, um, not just putting all cats in like one box of needs and, and wants and, and preferences. But she really, she really helped us learn that because we, you know, Maggie and I have have both had lots of cats before, but Beverly was, you know, so special in so many ways because of her limitations that it really opened our eyes to, to making sure that, that we look at our next cats as highly individual and then come up with, you know, their set of preferences during cat exploring and in the house and and everything. very specific to their to their needs. So 
how are Ziggy and Charlie quite different? Because, well, I'll, I'll admit till today I thought they were from the same litter, so I assumed there'd be more similarities, but they're not. So how are they different from each other? Oh my gosh, they are so they are they are so different from each other. Yeah. Um, I mean, they're both very brave and bold and um, sociable, you know, those sorts of things. But um, I mean, one that pops into my head immediately is Charlie is the kind of cat that will just like lay in the middle of the room on his back with all his legs spread open and just like take up as much space as possible. You know, he's like that cat. You have to walk over him. Like he just, yeah, he's just like, whatever you don't, you don't, I, you don't need to be right here. I'm taking up this whole like little section of floor. Um, And Ziggy is, is a lot more like that traditional cat that you think of that, that wants to go cuddle into a little small space. Like we have, um, we, we have several things around our house for her to like hide in. And she's that kind of cat. Like she'll go under the bed or she'll go into her little hive or we have a footstool that has a, a pet hole in it. And she, I think she's actually in it right now. Um, so she likes to do that sort of thing. And she likes to do that um, when we're in the car too. Mm-hmm. So like we realized that Charlie in the car, he's like, on the dashboard, you know, <laughs> laying everywhere. And Ziggy would act very, a little bit more nervous in the car. And we were like, what, you know, she doesn't, she doesn't act like she doesn't like to be in here, but she acts a little bit more like closed up. So what we did was we bought like a cheap cat carrier and we leave it in the car all the time. And she goes straight into it when she's in the car and she just likes to have kind of like an enclosed space to be in. Um, so we've, so we've noticed some differences, um, those are just like spatial preferences, preferences, but um, on top of that, I, well, Ziggy's incredibly intelligent. I mean, she is so, so smart that we just really have to put a lot of thought into how we work with her because she's so incredibly smart. Um, whereas Charlie, he's smart, but he's, he's just sort of like, like just kind of, <laughs> he, um, <laughs> he's a little more goofy. He's super sweet and super lovable, but he's just a little, um, He's a little dense about some things. Yeah. And with Ziggy, like the smartness um, factor, like she can figure anything you're trying to do. Like you cannot pull the wool over that cat's <laughs> eyes at all. She like, we have to give her medication twice a day. Um, she, well, <laughs> I guess, I guess this is our opportunity to talk about poop, but she has, um, <laughs> she has a chronic tummy issue. So we have to give her medication twice a day. We used to give her, it orally but now we are doing a a transdermal because she she started to avoid me at the times of day that I needed to give her the medication it's like she knew and she would go hide someplace and not come out and we would try to get her out with toys or treats and she was just like lady are you kidding me I know what you're doing like (laughs) you know so it so she's just so smart and so cunning that that we really have to it's like working with a child. <laughs> She's like that level of intelligence where you're like, okay, you can't, we can't pull a fast one yeah. on you at all. Oh my gosh. I am giggling so much. I, I have this huge question actually. Like I'd be curious to hear from the rest of the community as well, because Ziggy sounds like our Noxie. So very, who's also a girl, very clever, very like, if, like sassy, like with those things that you're saying about the medication. Yes, very much. So we have the same challenge. With that, whereas Lumos is the type that will lay on his back, show his belly, be in the middle of the room. You have to walk around him. 
yeah. is pretty easygoing. I'm curious whether that's a male and female thing or whether it's just we just happen to have cats who are similar in that way. But, yeah, I'd be curious to hear what everyone else has to say about their own cats if they have that challenge too. That would be a good poll to put up yeah. on like an Instagram story sometime and just ask some people's opinions on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So cat exploring. Where do you normally go with Ziggy and Charlie to go cat exploring? So we um, we live about two blocks from the University of Arizona campus here in Tucson. And um, we usually go there because there's lots of there's lots of really cool spaces, lots of lots of grass, which is actually very rare here. Lots of trees um, and just in in I mean, there's a lot of people, but they're usually minding their own business. There's not a lot of car traffic once you're on the campus. So um, that that makes it nice too for cat exploring so that's where we typically go um but we also go hiking um not so much right now because it's really really hot um but yeah we've, we've been hiking with them um and yeah mostly mostly just the campus hiking and then occasionally we'll also go to a store like PetSmart or there's a local bookstore that's very pet friendly so we take them there sometimes too so we've spoken about how Ziggy and Charlie and Beverly were quite different. Um, what was it like to train Ziggy and Charlie? And did you find that the training process quite different? Yes. So um, like we mentioned earlier, Beverly kind of took to the harness very um, naturally. Ziggy did also. Um, in fact, we learned um, at a later date from somebody at the shelter that she actually was put in a harness and, and taken to like a nursing home to do some um, like therapy cat stuff when she was just a little, little kitten. So I think she actually came to us a little bit already harness trained, which was, which was fantastic unbeknownst to us um, at the time. But yeah, the first time we put Ziggy in a harness, she was just like, okay, cool. I got this. We let her wear the harness a few times in the house, and then we were like, I, we think she's ready to go outside. Yeah. So we we took her out on the porch, and she literally, like, walked down the sidewalk. We were so impressed. We were, we were just saying to ourselves, wow, I can't believe this cat is, you know, she was, what, like, 12 weeks old? 12 weeks old, yeah. And just, like, walking down the sidewalk, no problem, on the harness. Now, Charlie, on the other hand, was completely opposite. <laughs> he had a little bit of a delayed start with the harness training as well. But- because he um, he also has um, feline herpivirus, so his eyes were pretty flared up for the first few months of his life. Um, but when we first put a harness on Charlie, he did the classic flop on flop over, but he also did a something similar to like a a bucking bronco move where he <laughs> was he from his front feet to his back feet jumping on the bed trying to get out of the harness. Um, running through the house trying to get away from the harness. So at first we didn't think that we were going to be able to harness train Charlie because he just disliked the harness so much. Um, but we just stayed consistent with it and gave him treats and distracted him with toys, and eventually he came around to it. Um, but when we first started taking him outside, he he was just a complete spaz, just completely um, – he, he wanted to eat – Literally everything that was on the ground, rocks, sticks, anything. He looked like a vacuum cleaner. He was just like, we would, we went to the park the first time with him and he just was like 
grazing the ground with his face, like literally <laughs> eating rocks, leaves, everything. We were like, what are you doing? <laughs> so not okay. But yeah, he, yeah, he was, he was a wild guy when we first started yeah. taking him outside. Very unpredictable. And from the start too, he was, Ziggy was interested in being on the ground and walking and doing her own thing. And Charlie was less interested in being on the ground and felt more comfortable hanging out up on my shoulder and then just occasionally going on the ground. But he was really happy and pretty content just to hang out on my shoulder and sort of watch everything go by. So that shoulder thing worked out okay then, I assume? Yeah. (laughs) Now, Charlie's training is definitely hilarious and (laughs) very unpredictable, I would say, and probably um, a bit tough for you guys in the beginning now how do you how did you improve that or how did you change that and how do you communicate with him if he acts like that um i would say he we were just patient with him and as he's matured he's actually he's not a spaz anymore he's actually he's come into his own with the cat exploring um and he's yeah he's definitely more um more controlled now with his movements um but yeah, when he was a little guy, he was definitely yeah a super super spaz. But I think for for Charlie, it was all about consistency and um, making sure he felt safe, like having the stroller always available. Or um, like he does this. He's still the when we go cat exploring now, he will do this several times throughout our adventure. Look up at Maggie for reassurance. And so we were always just really um, good at making sure that when he looked up for that reassurance that we were there for him, that we had a safe space for him, whether it was the stroller or Maggie's shoulder. Um, just so like I think over time, he just kind of learned that that even if he felt kind of like a flip out, he was going <laughs> to be OK because um, Maggie was there to, to help him. Yeah. So for those listening along. Does he still act like a vacuum cleaner, or is he a bit more um, uh, conventional? He's gotten better with that, too. He occasionally will still try to eat a rock or a stick, but I just try to keep it away from him. <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's he's the worst with that. In fact, um, we, we, we call him the cat that ruined Christmas because he, <laughs> he ate. Um, we bought, okay, so this is a little bit of a backstory, but we had been using the same artificial Christmas tree for like 15 years, and it was super, super ratty. So we bought a new one, like, last Christmas when we still had Beverly, and we were so excited to put out our new artificial tree, and then we put it out this year, and then, of course, we have Ziggy and Charlie now, and Charlie, like... The first that he just like immediately ran up the middle of it, was laying all over it, chewing it. <laughs> he like we could not keep him off of it. In fact, we had we had to well, we ended up having to take him to the ER vet um, because we uh, he had eaten some of the tree and it passed. We didn't we didn't have to um, he didn't have to go under the knife or anything. But but it was a kind of inexpensive vet, vet <laughs> visit and. We immediately came home and um, took down our yeah. took down our newly tattered, brand new artificial tree, and I think it's going to be a couple more Christmases before we try to bring it back out again with him. Give him a little bit of time to mature on that one. Yeah. <laughs> so in our house, in our household, we have a wooden tree for oh. for that particular reason that we're 
unsure how they'll act around an artificial tree or a real tree. So the wooden tree is literally like, you know, the trees that people put on their desks at work. Uh-huh. So there's nothing on it. It's just, it's just a, a, it's a, cut a out, wooden cutout. It's, it's a, a wooden cutout oh. of a Christmas tree. <laughs> and I did buy, like, because I was like, oh, it'd be nice for photos. I bought, like, a not a proper Christmas tree, but a little one that you'd put if, like, if you're hosting Christmas dinner and you have one in the centerpiece, mm-hmm. um, like, sticks and stuff. And that only lasts a couple of hours on Christmas morning. In oh. our <laughs> and, like, all the baubles go missing and, oh. But, like you said, before like Charlie reminds me of Lumos in many ways. And for Lumos we have a phrase for him when he does something a bit silly and a bit dense, which is, Oh buddy <laughs> you sort of shake your head. <laughs> yeah, Charlie definitely keeps us on on our toes. Like <clears throat> one thing with that's Ziggy is a bit more calculate is very calculated, whereas with Charlie that the moment that from when he decides to do something to when he does it, it happens in a flash. And for me, I've had, I've, you know, grown with him with cat exploring and sort of gotten just used to his behaviors. But one minute he'll be on the ground. The next minute he's literally launching at me onto my shoulder or launching into Emily's backpack or (laughs) launching from my shoulder to Emily's backpack or from my shoulder to, if we're pre COVID, we were going cat exploring with our friends and he would just launch into our friends' backpacks, and they would just have a strange, you know, oh, sorry, Charlie's in your backpack all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's a full-body workout. I mean, it's it's definitely, uh, it's it's a very athletic event to go cat exploring with Charles. <laughs> oh, yeah, we call him Charles when he's bad. Yeah. That's what we call him. Yeah, like he doesn't, yeah. Did you find it pretty overwhelming at first? Because, like, like you said, you've grown with him, and you've, probably learnt to read his um, body language and then also you probably become faster with how you respond but I imagine right at the beginning you were just like oh my god this cat is crazy <laughs> because I know exactly. that some sometimes with Noxie I remember right at the beginning I was just like I don't know whether we could do this she's very <laughs> fast. Yes I would say we definitely felt that way with Charlie a few times where where we were just like wow that you know because when we were cat exploring with Beverly she she had the the hesitation you know that we were talking about earlier that she she would sit in the stroller for like an hour and just watch birds or something and so to, to have that kind of cat explorer and then Charlie who in a in a second would be out of the backpack and you know halfway across the park eating everything we're like oh my gosh you know <laughs> who is this guy. <laughs> So how did you get to that point of being comfortable with him? Is I don't know whether comfortable or used to him doing that. Like, did you do anything yourselves to get to that point? Well, actually, I kind of feel like we realized we have to pay a lot more attention when mm-hmm. we're out cat exploring. Um, you know, when we were with Beverly, we could really just go sit someplace for a while and, and kind of chill and, and have like a little picnic or something. And we quickly realized that that's not the style yeah. <laughs> of cat exploring that, that Charlie in particular um, wants to do. So I think it was more about us learning how much we needed to pay attention to him to, to, to try to predict or at least notice when he was getting ready to, to do one of his 
you know, moves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can usually sense when he's getting ready to, like, yeah, make a change. And I, he just moves in a particular way in the backpack that I, or on the ground that I can usually tell. He gives me little clues. It's practice, 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 I suppose, and repetitions. So trial and error and repetitions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, Ziggy, what's it like to go cake spawn with her? Easier? I mean, <laughs> in a word, easier. Um <laughs> Yeah, she's just a lot more, um, Maggie mentioned calculated earlier. She thinks about the things she does before she does them. (laughs) So if she's in my backpack, I can tell when she wants to get out. She kind of puts her feet up on my shoulder and and she kind of sometimes she'll like sniff in my ear, kind of like to try to get my attention. But but it's a few seconds at least of thinking about it before she leaps. but yeah, Ziggy, Ziggy's very um, brave. She will, she's not scared of dogs. She's not typically scared of people like running by or riding bikes by or children. She's very, you know, she's, she's very sociable and, and will go up and meet, meet pretty much anybody or anything. Um, yeah, she's just, she's just very, very confident. I mean, Charlie has become more confident, but they, uh, Ziggy has always been a little bit more of the the braver one when we're when we're out cat exploring. So then what's the dynamic like when you go cat exploring with both Charlie and Ziggy like do they get cranky if one of them wants to do something different or do they get along and what's the dynamic like between the two of you as well like because I imagine you're catering to each cat. Yeah, so we um when we're out cat exploring with them, we actually kind of we stay together, but we kind of do our own things because they're so different. So we'll kind of arrive at a place like this morning we were cat exploring um, in a building courtyard that was kind of an enclosed space. And we're both in that same courtyard, but we might be kind of far apart because um, Charlie wants to just walk around and be carried around in the backpack for a little while. And Ziggy's interested in jumping around. And um, like this morning I was, they you know we're on a campus so there's like golf carts that people drive around on the campus and someone's golf cart was charging on the charging station and Ziggy was like trying to get up in the golf cart and I was like this is someone's golf cart stay out of there you know so she's she's doing that and Charlie's over here doing his thing so um they kind of explore separately really and then um they kind of just come back come back together naturally and that I think that's more actually initiated by Charlie because he is a little bit more dependent I would say um he will sometimes be doing his own thing and then all of a sudden I think he feels the need to check in with Siggy and so he'll seek her out and kind of walk up to her and boop her nose and just kind of like do a little check-in it's actually it's actually quite adorable and of course she's like Dude, seriously, like I'm over here doing my thing. <laughs> Leave me alone, you know, because she's give me some space. Yeah, man. she. I think she could. She could care less. Um, <laughs> I think that that he's there, but he, I think, feels the need to to know where she is and and make sure that that she's still around and she hasn't like left him behind or something. So I think that that sort of experience speaks well to the fact that, as you mentioned before, they have different personalities, so they have different wants and needs and that you've paid attention to what those are and you've catered to those instead of just trying to get them all to walk in the same straight line and yeah have 
have a different type of experience and outcome out of it. So that's great to see. Now, during a recent Cat Explorer per squad video call, you mentioned an experience you had with a garbage truck. Can you talk us through that experience and what happened? Yeah, so we were heading back from uh, being on campus, and um, there's about a three-block stretch where we're, like, just in the neighborhood. And I think pretty earlier in our exploring that morning, she had had a couple of um, startling experiences with noises already. So, So I think that particular morning she was already a little bit worked up like it wasn't you I think everybody who does cat exploring knows that you have like good days and bad days and that morning just like hadn't already been a good morning for her so we are coming we were about a block from our house and they were just walking down the sidewalk like usual and a garbage truck started coming towards us and I and I was aware that it was coming from you know a block away or so and as it got closer and closer, I could tell that Ziggy was getting very worked up and I couldn't um, I couldn't get close to her to grab her because at the time we were using a different harness. Now we're using the Supakit Gatsby harness, which I find is way more secure. Um, but at the time we were using a different type of harness and she had turned herself around into a position where she was starting to back out of the harness. And um, she was also panicking. And I was I got very scared that she was going to get completely out of her harness. And I don't know what probably run because her instinct when she gets scared is to run, whereas Charlie's is to jump into the backpack, which is great because he'll go into the backpack. But she doesn't. I think, Ziggy, what we've noticed about her is that her when she's scared, she wants to run. Um, And that's what I was worried about. So I. (laughs) The only thing I could think of to do, and I'm I'm happy I did it, but at the time it must have been very startling to her, was I kind of like just like got down on the ground on top of her. And it wasn't the smoothest move because I was wearing like flip-flops and we were all worked up and everything. So I kind of like fell onto the ground like on top of her and I just kind of like held her and she was so scared. And the garbage truck, you know, I mean, at that point, the garbage truck was like right next to us and um, I could just feel her fear and. Um, I was scared because I had kind of like fallen on the ground and I, you know, she was like, she was still in her harness, but um, I'm just happy I actually got a hold of her and she didn't get out of it. But, um, you know, and then once the garbage truck passed and I had a hold of her, I put her in the backpack and zipped her up and was just like, okay, we're going to go straight home and, and you're going to be okay. But, um, but yeah, that, that experience was, um, was really startling for all of us because we realized how, um, just kind of like how close a call that was to her getting totally away from us, which hadn't, hadn't ever really happened before to us while cat exploring with any cat. Um, So that was really scary. And then we noticed in the following days and weeks that she was very startled by pretty much any sound like um, her confidence, her confidence. Yeah. Her confidence had been just totally shaken from that experience And I mean, so much so that we would be walking and if I stepped on leaves, like on the sidewalk right next to her, she would jump and she would start to do that same thing where she would kind of try to back out of her harness. And so um, what we what we decided to do was just start basically back at the beginning, like let's take it way back to 
the very basics of, of cat exploring, um, you know, just kind of being on the porch. Let's go for a cat exploring experience where you just stay in the backpack or the stroller and we don't actually get out so that you feel safe the whole time. So we kind of just started at the very beginning and with those like little beginning building blocks. And it was important for us for a few weeks to make sure that every time we went out, she had a good experience, even if it wasn't um, like in a, even if it, it felt like we weren't doing much, you know, even if it was just like going out on the porch in the playpen or going out in the stroller and staying zipped in. Um, so yeah, we just, we, we took, it took, gosh, probably like four weeks yeah. it took to build her back up to where, where she kind of was before. And that felt like a big setback after everything we had built her up to, um, to that point. But, um, yeah, what we kind of had to keep reminding ourselves is that, you know, it's kind of like if you twist your ankle running or something, you're not going to immediately go out and then run like five miles the next day. Like you might not even be able to walk around your block for like a couple of weeks or something. And so I think that a lot of times we we don't give our pets that same benefit that we would give our own selves if in those sorts of situations that like if you experience a setback especially if you're scared it's going to take a little bit of time to build that back up and but it's necessary like there's not there's not another way to do it without experiencing further emotional damage I think um so so yeah that's what we did and we're I mean we're barely back now we've had a, we've had like three three good weeks yeah, yeah ish of good cat exploring with her where she's kind of back to her old self but it took a while so we're happy to be back at that point but um, and I think the harness definitely helped everyone's confidence I think. yeah yeah we got the new harness definitely helped and that helped us feel like you know I know no harness is escape proof but it feels a lot more secure than the one we were using before so that's good and we've done the, um, well, um, right off the bat, we decided we're never going cat exploring on garbage day. Yeah. <laughs> that was the first, that was the first improvement that we decided that we were going to do. But, but rather than going um, out on garbage day, we started um, going out in the front yard in the playpen on garbage day so that she could hear the garbage truck and be close to the garbage truck but in a very safe space so that um, she can get used to that, that noise. And, and I mean, I'm sure they can feel the vibration on the ground and everything from a vehicle that big. I'm, it's got to be, you know, very scary. So um, now, now she sits in the playpen with the garbage truck going by and she's just like, yeah, whatever. I got this. <laughs> like, so, you know, we're, we've been working on it that way too. Wow. That's quite an experience, but I think you've mentioned quite a few things that you've done, which, have helped to bring her back to a level now and to help improve things that I just want to touch on. So first of all, in that experience where you had the potential for an escape from the harness because she was sort of trying to back out of it, I think what you did was a great idea to try and rather than fight against the harness because they tend, to, I find they tend to sort of, once you try to fight against it, they tend to get out easier mm-hmm. is to go with it and to follow yeah. them. And so then there's because then you what you're doing is you're resetting that harness into the correct position that it's mm-hmm. supposed to be in, and then secondly you tried to shield her from the noise and so you know from the garbage truck so that she can't see it at least so that's great. 
another thing I'd recommend trying if you've got it nearby is to have that backpack and just put it down next to it so they may want to jump in. But mm-hmm. it sounds like Ziggy doesn't necessarily sort of follow that like Charlie does. And then you find yourself in a position where you're, you know, you've got Ziggy who doesn't want to have this, it doesn't have the same level of cat exploring confidence before. And so you started back at the beginning, rebuilt those foundations. And that's something that personally I've learned through Julie from Cat School from rebuilding that sort of foundation because with Noxie, when we do clicker training, like she got to a point where her claws were out, she was swiping at me rather than trying to actually do a fist bump. So we started back at the beginning. We used a box to get her to tap and fist bump it again, and it worked. And she does still get a bit antsy sometimes with the claws, and, and then so I worked that back to the beginning. Start again. Let's do the fist bump with the box. And so you just, you just build that confidence back up. Start at the beginning. Start working your way back up to where you were before and going from there and acclimatizing, which is the, the other thing you did. So on garbage days, getting out, just hearing the sounds. Because as much as we try – we can't protect them from the entire world. It's mm-hmm. So you've got to get them acclimatized to a level of um, discomfort. And, you know, there will be garbage trucks coming around. There'll be other noises. It might not be a garbage truck next time. It might be the UPS driver. It might be something else. So I think it's a great idea that you've tried to get them acclimatized to these sounds and for them to know that it's out there and, yeah, for them to be a bit more comfortable with it. And I think, so we're currently recording this in August 2020, and um, this year has been the year of the pandemic. We've all been stuck in our homes. We haven't been cat exploring like we normally do. We've been social distancing, so our cat's social socialization skills are quite low. Um, we found with our two, they're definitely a lot less confident when people walk past when we're cat exploring and things like that. And I think for all of us, it's something to remember that when Whenever this pandemic ends and whenever we start going back to taking our cats exploring like we used to, we'll probably have to take a step back. Like, for example, Daniel and I know that we won't be able to go to a busy market again, probably for quite a while, because we need to build up Lumos and Oxy's confidence with being around that many people because they just haven't done it for a while. And I think what you both did with having um, taking that step back for a month, I think that was a great way to do that and it's something that we all probably will have to do once things start going back to normal whatever the new normal is mm-hmm. so another thing we love about the way you, the two of you can explore with ziggy and charlie is using verbal commands so training your cat to go cat exploring is hard enough in itself but using specific verbal commands that's on another level <laughs> what verbal commands do you use with Ziggy and Charlie and how did you train them to do that? So we really, well, first of all, we, we've trained them primarily with praise. I know a lot of, we, we haven't done quite enough clicker training. We're, we're far behind on our cat school experience. Um, but the other thing that we we've experienced is like Ziggy is not food motivated at all. So we have never been able to use food as a motivation to train her. Charlie is food motivated, but he's already struggling with this chonkiness enough anyway. So we're like, we needed to figure out a way to reinforce their behaviors that isn't necessarily food motivated. Um, So 
so we we are we're very high on our praise with them and so that's how we've reinforced their training when we're when we're cat exploring um some of our favorite commands that we've that we've taught them are around and i'll say it i'll say it in the way that i say it to the cats and i probably sound like totally goofy um if someone's listening to this online but um we encounter a lot of like light poles and benches and things like that on campus that the cats can get under, but we can't. So um, we've taught, we will say something like around, around, and we just say it in this kind of like high pitched voice and give them a little tug on the leash and then kind of like guide them in the direction that we wanted them to go in. And over the course of it, it's, I mean, it really took like a couple of months of doing this every single time we went out Pull, giving them a little tug, saying the command, guiding them in the direction that we want them to go in. And now they do it every time. And it, and now they do it some, a lot of times without us even using the command, yeah. like they'll encounter the leg of a bench and instead of going under or through, they go around, which is just like, it makes cat exploring so much easier because yeah. you're not trying to fish the leash underneath <laughs> something and you, you know how it is. It's just, yeah, it can, it can become a, like a hot disaster really quickly if you're not careful. But um, so we use around a lot. Um, we use step up. Um, that's one that we use if we need to get them into their harness or if we're dressing them up in some type of costume or something, which we're also um, known to do every <laughs> once in a while. Um, but they will, they will literally step into clothing that has sleeves, which I, I show that to my parents and my parents are like, Oh my God, that's like the coolest thing I've ever seen a cat that wants to put its own clothes on. So um, that's one of the ones that we do with them. And then um, the one that I've been kind of excited about with Ziggy lately that I've been working with her on is um, it's kind of goofy the way I say it, but we also encounter like a lot of, um, like ramps and loading docks and things like that on campus, like things that she can actually jump off of, but I can't jump that far because it's like four feet off the ground or something. So I've taught her, let's go the people way is how I say it. The people way, we have to go the people way. And I'm like trying to get her to recognize that she has to go the way I can go. And I feel like because she's such a smart cat, she actually has put those two things together. And now when I say, let's go the people way. She will literally walk over to like the ramp rather than using the like giant loading, you know, like the loading dock is the most recent one that I've had an experience (laughs) with her on. So that's what I'm thinking of. But um, yeah, now when I say that she will, she will actually go the way she knows I need to walk in order to navigate the space that we're in, which I, that's the one I've been the most proud of with Ziggy lately. We haven't quite figured that one out with Charlie yet, but yeah, I still just use around with him and that works. Yeah. And then the other one we use with them um, and we started this really early on with them is when we would come home either in the car or from cat exploring, uh, walking up to the house, we would always tell them we're home. And so now they know. Yeah. They know the word home. And we were hoping that, at, you know, if they ever got out of the house accidentally or something that they might, you know, if we if we were outside and we could call that or something, they might 
they might be able to find their bearings a little bit. So that's something people, people that watch us walk our cats probably think we're like totally nuts because we're always saying all these weird things <laughs> to our cats and like high pitched voices. But we hope that we hope that it helps them orient them to their space when we're out. Yeah. And we do talk to the cats a lot in the house. And I think that is something, especially with Charlie, he's a little bit more, um, he looks for reassurance from us a lot outside and if there's a scary noise or something and I tell him you're a good boy, it's okay. You're a good boy. Then he'll, it calms him down. So I think that that, um, that just helps cat exploring so much. You're totally right. There probably are a lot of verbal commands that we use that we don't even realize with our cats that are used to reassure them or give them signals and cues and instructions. Like I know we do it with our Lumos and Noxy all the time. And I mean, the way it sticks is just repetition and to show them what, you know, the right way is and then positive reinforcement. So, yeah, you're totally right. I think there's a lot that people do, and it's always done in that high-pitched sing-song voice, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It must be the way, that, you know, we, we somehow as humans think that that's the way that the cats will best understand us. Yes. <laughs> but I think they do because once you use that voice, they both, like, well, our experience is they both respond. Like, you say... you. I'm not going to do it now because they're both in the room with us and they'll respond. But if you say you're a good boy in that high, high pitched voice, you, I always notice Lumos, no matter what he's doing, he gets very proud and happy and what, whatever he's doing, he'll do it again. So Mm -hmm. I think that is an easy way to communicate with them. So Emily and Maggie, we're coming up towards the end of the podcast, but before we let you go, we're going to ask you a final four questions that we ask all our guests. And the first one being, what is one piece of advice you would give to new cat explorers? would definitely say patience. Patience would be a huge factor. Um, also, make sure that you get a, a safe space for them to be in, whether it be a backpack or a stroller. They need that um, ability to find their uh, safety zone when they're out in the world exploring with you. And then also, just they're just like us. I mean, they're going to have their setbacks, but... Don't get discouraged when they have those setbacks and just um, give them time and, and come back at it with, with patience and, yeah. Yeah. What's been the most entertaining comment someone has said to you while you've been out and about with Ziggy, Charlie, or Beverly? Well, we have received all of the normal comments that everyone gets the, you know, is that a cat? Or I wish my cat would do that. Or my cat would never do that. I think that, you know, I think all of us probably, if we had a dime for every time that's happened. Um, But I, I feel like I wanted to actually take this opportunity to share a funny story. It's, it involved lots of comments actually. Um, But we were out cat exploring once with um, Professor X, the hiking cat and Mayday and Friends, two other um, cat explorers here in Tucson. And um, normally when we go cat exploring with them, we go hiking. Um, and they kind of all live out in the out in the outskirts. So we would meet them cat, cat exploring out, you know, kind of in the desert to go hiking. But one time they came down to our part of town and we went cat exploring on campus. And it was in the middle of the semester. So all the students were there. It was like 11 in the morning on a Saturday. So there were tons of people out. And we we were done cat exploring. We were going to grab some lunch at one of the bar restaurants um, in kind of the, the hip college area. 
we were walking down the street. There were how we had four, there were four women and five cats total. We all had our backpacks and I kid you not. We got like literally mobbed by (laughs) college age, mostly women. And they like a couple of them saw us. They were like, Oh my gosh, is that a cat? Oh my gosh. We have a cat. Oh my God. There's another cat. And it was just like, we literally had a group of probably like 10 young women around us. Like everyone was petting the cats. Everyone wanted to like know us. Like and, handing out business yeah. We were like handing everybody. out business cards, like for our Instagram. Everybody's and, taking pictures. Yeah. Everyone was like <laughs> taking selfies with our cats. And it was hilarious because, um, you know, these other two cat explorers were used to being kind of like, in the solitude of the hiking trail with their cats normally. And here we are. It was like paparazzi. Like they just were like surrounding us. It was, it was hilarious. So um, that's what we wanted to share that story because we thought um, it's just, it's so interesting to, to take part in something that, that we kind of do as a family, um, you know, with our cats, but to other people who see us, it's very unique sometimes. And it, you know, it's, it's neat because sometimes it makes somebody's day and, and you do get funny comments sometimes, but that experience was just hilarious. I, I think about that often. And it's always nice to make someone's day as well because for us, it's just a normal day, but for them, it's a, it's something that they've never seen before. Yeah. We yeah. actually were cat exploring near a dorm once and a young woman yelled out her dorm room window at us and was like, Oh my gosh, your cat is so cute. Can I take your picture? And she's like hanging out her dorm room window, like taking pictures of our cats. It's, like, it's so funny. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so which cat explorers inspire you? Um, definitely professor X, the hiking cat. Um, Clara Lee, who's been on your podcast before. Um, she lives here in Tucson. She does amazing work. Um, she does um, trap neuter release for the Humane Society and some other organizations. She fosters cats. Um, she she taught us a lot about what we needed to know at the beginning when we were getting involved in cat exploring. Um, so she's she's an amazing inspiration to us and a good friend. Um, we also were very inspired by Fisher the Maine Coon, who we've also had the incredible opportunity to meet in person um, before also, and um, got to go on a little cat exploring date with, and they're just so much fun to watch, watch yeah. Fisher's adventures and all the new things he's getting into on the paddleboard and, um, you know, the going on the, the tube behind the boat and things like that that's such an inspiration yeah and his parents are just so yeah yeah they're, they're just they're, they're so really great, great folks. really great folks um and then just some other some other cat explorers that we've never had an opportunity to meet in person but we would love to are um gibson from um the gibson chronicles and um also chronicles of loki um two of our canadian cat exploring friends what product service or program has been a game changer for Ziggy, Charlie, or Beverly? Uh, number one would be our Cat Explorer backpacks. They're seriously, they made our lives so much easier. Um, our stroller was really is really great, and we still use it sometimes, but with two cats, it's really tough to chase them around. <laughs> so the backpacks were, uh, were definitely a, a revolutionary moment for us. Um, the SuperKit harnesses, uh, the Gatsby harnesses have been, and the retractable leashes, we also... Um, added to our routine and they've been just an absolute game changer for us 
Um, something else that has also helped us, especially with living in a hot environment um, and cat exploring in the Tucson summer, um, is the the cooling vest from RC Pets. Um, Charlie is a little is a lot more heat sensitive than Ziggy is, and um, he he pants sometimes when when we're out um, cat exploring with him during the summer, and we've used the RC Pets vest like a handful of times now, and he's only panted like once, just very briefly. Um, so that's been that's been really great. Um, and I did mention the the seventh generation uh, Gen Seven stroller. Um, and then one thing about um, this is actually something that we've used at home with training. Um, both these guys like to jump a lot and get up get up on things. Um, and using the uh, it's a product called PetSafe. Um, it's a motion-activated canned air um, product that, instead of yelling at them or you know swatting, you know we we don't use like spray bottles or any sort of stuff like that to get them off of furniture, you know, get them off of like a kitchen counter. But um, but that canned air has been really helpful as a training tool, um, so that they're not associating us with telling them not to do something. It's the canned air, so it helps to keep your relationship very positive. That's something I actually learned from Jackson Galaxy. So Emily and Maggie, it's been such a pleasure to hear all about Beverly, Ziggy and Charlie. Thank you so much for joining us. And thank you so much for sharing about those moments in your life that would have been really, really tough. Where can we find you, Ziggy and Charlie online? We're on Instagram at Ziggy.and.Charlie. So that everyone can find those links. We'll put all of those links and a summary of today's conversation in the show notes. Just go to the episode description on your podcasting app and the link will be there. Thank you so much for listening today. We'd love to hear what you think of today's episode, as would Emily and Maggie. So we'd love it if you could share your thoughts on social media, tag us at catexplorer.community and Emily, Maggie, Ziggy and Charlie at ziggy.and.charlie. If you liked today's episode, we think you'll really enjoy hearing all about Fisher the Maine Coon, who loves spending time on the water, which is episode 49 of the Cat Explorer podcast. Or perhaps you'd love to hear the amazing and inspiring story about Professor X, the hiking cat, and his incredible mum, Clara Lee, which is episode 11. Just scroll down in your podcasting app and you'll find all the past episodes of the Cat Explorer podcast there. Thank you so much for being a part of our community. That's it for today. Until next time, enjoy giving your kitty the world. Bye.